Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, we welcome Insane Ian, parody artist and comedy musician from Baltimore, Maryland. Also a member of the Funny Music Project, aka The Fump, Ian is here to talk with Matt about how he got started down the path of hilarity, and about what goes into creating a solid, funny sketch on a comedy album. His latest album, called Internet Famous, has a title track featuring Chris Ballou of the Presidents of the United States of America. From the inside scoop on how that collaboration developed, to the origins of the fump, to music, movies, gaming, and more, here's presenting Matt Storm and Insane Ian. Ian, thank you for taking the time to chat with me for Crash Course Autographs. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate that. It's going to be a whole mutual appreciation society going on here, I have a feeling. I have a feeling as well. Um, I'm glad to bring you to my show. Um, a parody artist comedian, rapper, musician extraordinaire. Um, I became a fan of your work after you actually reached out to me, um, I believe, after hearing me on the uh, Epic Podcast. That is correct, yes. Um, I mean, I, I mean, there, as far as me reaching out to you is correct, I wasn't really sure when you became a fan of me, but now that you've said that, I'm all smiles. So, <laughs> um, so of course, I want to start by talking about your newest record, which just came onto Spotify recently, though it's been out for a little while, Internet Famous. Um, yep. This is your, uh, according to Spotify, your third album, but you've had more, a lot more than that because you've been working on the Thump for a while, is that correct? Yes, yes. This is my third traditional album, but I have a whole bunch of EPs and B-side collections and a lot of other releases because uh, I have learned while working at the Thump that I am far too prolific, <laughs> and I... The, one of the things at the Fump, for your listeners who don't know what the Fump is, the Fump is the Funny Music Project, or T-H-E-F-U-M-P dot com, where we release two comedy songs a week for free under a Creative Commons license. And uh, I am one of the core members of that site. And with that, I try to put out at least one song a month on the site. And we have like over 40 other artists on the site, kind of like a, a coalition of other comedy musicians. And we bring in new artists all the time who use the little submit form on the side. But it was started by a core group of comedy musicians who've all been popular on the Dr. Demento show. And they invited me into the fold after my songs became popular. And my songs became popular by being posted on the thump. So, um, but because of being on the thump, I post a lot of songs, so I have a lot of output, so I have a lot of releases now. <laughs> well, that's that's always good, I guess. A lot of work is better than no work, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, but, uh, but I, 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 want... I try to strive for quality over quantity sometimes. <laughs> well, that, that definitely makes sense. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to become the quality of the pop artist you parody. You know. Exactly, exactly. Nobody wants that. Um, I did want to talk briefly about the title track because um the title track of course which is called Internet Famous features the one and only lead singer of the presidents of the United States. 
Um, I wanted to know how you how that connection happened, how you ended up getting in touch with him. <laughs> that's that's kind of a long story, so I'll try to shorten it because I tend to yammer, so okay. I will uh <laughs> I will try to shorten my yammering. I'm a little ADD sometimes, so I tend to every sentence is a run on sentence, which is why rap is really fun for me. <laughs> um so uh okay, so I was a fan of the presidents back in the nineties when the presidents were popular. And the presidents broke up in ninety six, ninety seven. Mm-hmm. So I uh produced a tribute album to them on my stupid little record label that I had in my basement. <laughs> yeah. And uh through that I actually got a connection to Chris Ballou, uh mm-hmm. through their management. And um, while I was doing that, I was also working on a Weird Al tribute album. Um, so I got Chris Ballou to re-record a song that he recorded when he was but a youth called Are You Going to the Weird Al Concert? By asking or basically begging his management to see if I could get a contact with him about um, him covering this song you know, because I, I talked to him on a radio show once, and I said, hey, I remember hearing about this song. Can you do this song? Are you guys going to release this as a president's track? They broke up. It never came happening. But he ended up getting my number and calling me. Wow. And <laughs> finding out that he re-recorded this song for this weird Al tribute album I was producing. So through the connection of the president's tribute album I was doing and the weird Al tribute album I was producing, I became known as a president super fan. <laughs> and me and these uh, three other guys who uh, were running what's called net, which was after the breakup of the band, Chris was doing a ton of other side projects, and he, um, so these guys were keeping track of that. So the super fans, the four of us, which is now expanded to about six of us, we get kind of like an inside track on things that Chris is doing. And as a way of saying thank you for all the years of support and everything, he agreed to do a song on this album for me. So, Internet Famous is kind of an interpolation of the president's tune, Naked and Famous. Um, I took the riff right. from that, I took the main music from that, and I kind of turned it into a hip-hop beat. I had uh, Klops and Pop, from uh, who's a, a nerdcore producer and a nerdcore rapper himself, um, who also is based in Seattle, so this is a completely Seattle production on this track, um, had him do the music for this, and he even like stripped it down to the president's intr- instruments. He did it with a two-string bass guitar and a three-string git bass, which is awesome. That is cool. And, and you know, he, he authentic president's instruments with it. And uh, got Chris to sing the hook on it and do a couple little uh, improvs with the vocals and everything, and it was great. And uh, it's actually the second time I've worked with Chris on the track. I did a uh, We Are the World-style song on my first album, uh, called There's Something About a Zombie. Oh, yes, sir. Zombie Benefit Song. Uh, if you've seen the movie Shaun of the Dead... Of course. ...was inspired by the song that Coldplay was talking about doing, their Zombie Benefit. Oh, nice. It's kind of like a We Are the World slash Coldplay-style song. And Chris Ballou opens the song on uh, on that track. Very cool. Chris has kind of been really, really nice and really supportive about the people who've been supporting him. So that he's been super awesome and really one of the sweetest, nicest guys in rock and roll um, and really, really cool. So the fact that I got him on this track, I've been trying to work with him for years, honestly, and he agreed to do it. And, you know, it's been a huge honor. So. 
That's fantastic. Yeah, so it's nice. I mean, what I like about nerdcore and comedy music and, and most indie music in general is that there is a lot of um, camaraderie. I often talk about this with the nerdcore rappers I interview, is that the community around nerdcore and most indie music scenes in general is very supportive of each other. I mean, it's how... Absolutely, yeah. It's how I got Schaefer on my show. It's like I'd just been fans for a while. We became friends after that just from staying in touch and, and, and seeing each other at shows and then working together. And he would be hosting burlesque or I'd be doing sound for burlesque. And it's, it's just really cool to see when things like that line up. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of the new record. I really, I really enjoy all of your stuff. I think the newest record has kind of something that the other record, like it's just that next step. You grow with every record that you make, and that's what you want to do as a musician, and it definitely shows. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, my next question is, although I'm pretty sure I know the answer, so obviously your main focus is parody. It's comedy music. Um, you do a lot of parody artists. Parody right, songs, right. rather. It's hard to mention parody without, of course, mentioning the man you mentioned earlier, Mr. Weird Al. I assume Absolutely. he was a big influence on your career. Uh, you could definitely say that he was an influence on my career. Uh, there have been three, uh, yeah, I guess you could call them fan-made uh, Weird Al tribute albums. I guess you can kind of call them indie uh, Weird Al tribute albums that have been released over the years, I am the only comedy artist to appear on all three of them. Oh, wow. That's awesome. It helps that I produce the second one myself. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I'm the only comedy musician to appear on all three Weird Al tribute albums. And the first Weird Al tribute album that was released, which is called Prosthetic Lips, which was produced by uh, Joe Krause, who is one of the guys in the group called Zelda and the Unibrows, um, he produced that album, and on that album, I didn't do a song. I did a spoken word track. Mm -hmm. There is a the Doctor Demento show, which is where Weird Al got his start. The Doctor Demento radio show has a news segment called the Demented News, and Whimsical Will does the Demented News. But he also does occasionally he'll do these bits where he, you know, layers in music and stuff, kind of like Dickie Goodman did on the old records, mm -hmm. where he like, takes clips of songs and uses them as people like responding to an on-the-street interview or something like that. But he like layers like you know the names of songs and the names of, of albums and, and tracks and stuff like that into conversation. So without actually sampling anything, because if I sampled anything, it probably wouldn't have cleared it and made it onto the album. So I just did a spoken word piece that used 54 Weird Al album titles and song titles in it and told a story of, of Al. That's and cool. on that album, <laughs> my name is Insane Ian Bonds, and Insane Ian is in quote marks because hero worship is a thing. <laughs> well, that makes Weird Al is in quotes and Yankovic isn't. Insane Ian is in quotes. And so now every so often... That's the only release that I'm listed as that on. Every so often online, my name will come up as Insane Ian Bonds, and the name will be in quotes. And I'm like, no, no, I dropped the quote marks. I dropped the last name. It's just Insane Ian. Hmm. But, uh, it pops up that way occasionally, just from that one single release. So did you always want to do comedy music, or did you dabble in other things first before you kind of embraced the parody and comedy? 
ever since high school, I'd been writing parodies because I'd been, actually even middle school, I'd been writing parodies and comedy songs because Weird Al was a huge influence. Uh, my parents actually uh, were a silk group. I don't know if you know what silk is. I do. It's kind of like the progenitor of, of modern nerd music. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, as Z from Hipster Please and the Radio Free Hipster has called me a second-generation nerd musician in that my parents were, were silk artists back in the, the late 70s, early 80s, and uh, I kind of picked up the mantle and started doing it from that. So, you know, watching my parents and, you know, local artists, the Boogie Nights, who do comedy songs as well, and they, uh, you know, but they, they do it with more of a, like a medieval idea, uh, ilk, you know, to theirs. They do parodies, but they, you know, they're all about, you know, Lord of the Rings and Knights of King Arthur and stuff like that. So I've always kind of been influenced by that. And uh, right. so I've been writing that for a while, but when I actually started doing comedy, I started with stand-up first. I did stand-up for about three and a half years. And I found, because I come from a theater background, I was too over-rehearsed to do stand-up. Right. My jokes weren't coming off conversationally. So I did improv for a year and a half. I was with an improv troupe here in Baltimore called the Early Monday Morning Show. Helped co-write their theme song and performed with the group. My band at the time was called Dick Snorkel. Hmm. And uh, all the while I'm doing this, I have like other comedy bands in the background while I'm doing stand-up comedy or while I'm doing improv. And after doing all of those things, it made me realize I should just focus on one thing. And I focused on the, the comedy music for a while. And I found a combination of me working with a good person who could do the music well and help me produce it well. And that was my friend Ben Stahl. And he helped me and my and my buddy Mike Stetz, who helped me uh, get together one song really well, uh, which was Guitar Hero. Mm-hmm. And that kind of was like the springboard for, oh, hey, I could actually do this moderately well. Let me focus on this. So. Awesome. Well, I mean, there's definitely a, uh, a care for the genre. I mean, there aren't a ton of parody artists that are, are super – well, first of all, they will probably never be a parody artist as big as Weird Al just because he's been so prolific for so long. But I find like and, now, and and still and still kicking so much ass too. I mean, he had the number one record after a 32 year career. Yeah, <laughs> hit number one in the debut. It's amazing. Yeah, a- absolutely. But I think that also attributes to the new internet culture. Weird Al can get even more appreciation more quickly because of how viral his newest album was and all those music videos. And I think that's why oh, there's absolutely. a resurgence of comedy musicians too, because the internet really, you know, being, like the title of the record, Internet Famous, it really is, in moments, very easy to be Internet Famous, even for a brief time, and it's just riding that, you know, ride and and finding the next jump. Um, I'm at my 14 minutes and 59 seconds, and I'm coasting on that last second for as long as I goddamn can. (laughs) Um, Which brings me to seeing the Internet and videos on YouTube. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Dig Dug music video, um, one of, one of my favorite songs that you've done completely is, Thank is you very Big Doug because you took a really terrible pop song and made it fun <laughs> and funny. Because um, I don't think it's any secret to anybody that Kesha's stuff is not great. But I'm not here to bash no. on a pop artist. I'm here to talk about your video. So I watched it um, actually for the first time last week. I hadn't had a chance to see it sooner, and I loved it. 
how was that video shoot? What 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 were the requirements? Was it just kind of a single cam and you doing a few different things, or was it more complicated than that? Um, it ended up being more complicated than it should have been. That video actually ended up taking three years to make. Wow. Um, uh, I had started making the music video for it, and I had shot a couple of things at a local uh, arcade here called Crabtown USA, which is a uh, it's a restaurant that has like 70 arcade machines in the back, 20 pinball machines that line the walls, and these are all old school classic arcade games, and like nothing new is in it, is in this place. Mm-hmm. So like the, the the most recent thing they have is like NFL Blitz '99. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's actually right next to the Dig Dug machine. But uh, they had a Dig Dug machine there, and I was like, we have to film here now. And I started filming the video in 2009, which was, no, I'm sorry, two, yeah, 2010, which was when I was supposed to be the opening act for Nerdapalooza. And I, <laughs> when I started filming that, my budget ran out because I got into a car accident and had to repair my car, and which stopped me. I had to cancel opening Nerdapalooza. I, I had to, to cancel going to Nerdapalooza, which broke my heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I, so I couldn't go to that gig. I, I had to, you know, shut that down. But it started me to do a Kickstarter for a collection called Grand Theft Audio, which right. was my... B-side collection, as well as a DVD. I was like, if I'm going to do one music video, screw it. I'm going to do a lot of music videos. And so the DVD became, you know, the budget for the Kickstarter was to make a bunch of music videos. And so the Kickstarter went off. It was down to, like, the wire, and then suddenly somebody donated, like, $800 at the last minute. Wow and helped push it well over the edge of what I needed. The Kickstarter only had 13 backers, and I made well over what the budget was supposed to be, which was like a godsend. (laughs) (laughs) I was just under making what the goal was supposed to be, and then suddenly I was over the goal, and I was like, holy crap, I guess I'm going to do this now. So we ended up doing a whole bunch of videos, uh, did an animated video for a song I did with Schaefer, yeah. Um and and the Dig Dug video ended up being the last video that we got a chance to complete. Um through various problems of getting, you know, actors to come in and do things, the the collection got pushed back a little bit from when it was supposed to come out, but it did eventually come out and Dig Dug was a result of that. So it finally came out and it was I it's Still, I don't think I'll ever be able to do a video as good as Big Doug. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, I have my buddy it, Bob Rose to thank for that. He's an amazing editor, and he helped shoot the thing. It's all his one camera, but you know we shot it in multiple locations and multiple t- times. If you look at the video closely, you'll notice the size of my goatee changes in length. <laughs> It, no, that's just your really lame mutant powers that you can just change yes. the length of your sideburns. <laughs> um, the the next question I wanted to ask is: so obviously uh, you're influenced by you know comedy musicians who can come before you, and you know comedy music is where your main focus is. You told me about your stand-up background. I'm curious what you do when you're not making parody music. Uh, I I can gather that I imagine you play video games, read comic books watch movies. Yes. Um, 
Yeah. You have- and and, and I, I want to clarify, not everything I do is parody. I do have a lot of originals on the albums, too. Sure. Um, but, but I do what, because it's hero worship, I do what Weird Al does in that some of the originals are what he calls a style parody or a pastiche of a certain artist. Mm-hmm. I'll have a song on the album like I'm Sorry, which is a pastiche of Rob Zombie. It's not a direct parody of any particular Rob Zombie song, but you get the idea. And I, yeah, I just want to clarify that. Sorry. Oh, sure. Of course. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of my favorites that you've done are actually not parodies, but originals, um, you know, that are in a style of. I always like a versatile musician who can do those different things because, I mean, parody, not that it's not complicated. I mean, it does, of course, take skill and talent to do a parody, but, you know, you can get a lot of help if you're just parodying a song, whereas if you're creating an original composition based on another style, that takes even more focused thinking and writing because you're still creating an original work. You're not using notes and, and, and style that have existed already. You're kind of creating something new. Right, right, exactly. Um but the, the question I was working my way to kind of longly is um, what what do you do in your downtime when you're not making music of any kind? Um, do you have a favorite video game of all time or a preferred movie or, or, or album you like to listen to or watch? I, I do, actually. I am a born and bred nerd, man. I was raised in the face. And when I say that, that means that I've been doing the Vulcan salute since six months old. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I've, I've always been, uh, a, a, a geek, a nerd, whatever you want to label it as. I love video games. I love comic books. I, before, uh, I was writing video game reviews for Destructoid. Right. And before that, I was writing video game reviews for Kevin Smith's moviepoopshoot.com. Oh, wow. I was the only video game reviewer on Kevin Smith's website. <laughs> <laughs> And that's where I, you know, started writing reviews of stuff. And I did a Kickstarter last year where I'm doing reviews now on the YouTube page that I call Reviewsicles, where I, I review those, video yeah. games with a comedy song. I haven't done enough of those yet because I got sidetracked by finishing an album. <laughs> it seems perfectly but reasonable to me. I I thought so. Um, so, but, you know, anything that's like, comic book based or or video game based, even if it's terrible, I I have to see it. It's kind of like by proxy because these are my main fandoms, video games and comic books. It's such a broad spectrum to be like such a fandom of. <laughs> sure, of course. I, I guess well, if you want to narrow it down, I am I think my bio for Fump Fest says that I have an unhealthy obsession with Spider Man. Hmm. Which is not Inaccurate. Um, <laughs> my dog's name is Parker. Figure it out. <laughs> but um, it's also kind of dangerous in this modern society to be a fan of Spider-Man, considering so much of his stuff has been crap lately. I mean, some worse than others. Yeah, I get that. Tough. But at the same time, you know, it, some of the comics are still good. You know, sure. if you get the characterization right, that that's that for sometimes for me that's all that matters. I I get choked up at heroics. It's stupid. I realize <laughs> it's stupid. And I, that, I'm just one of those stupid little sensitive kids who loves that kind of shit. Like, just watching a good sequence in a movie of him web-swinging and doing heroics and saving somebody, I literally get choked up watching that. 
It's like the sequence in the end of Iron Man 3. It's not a Spider-Man thing, but stay with me here. Where he's saving the, the 13 people from falling out of the... Holy shit, man. That's heroic. That makes me feel like... I, I, that's amazing in this comic book, and I love it. Sure. It's that kind of stuff. You know, the whole movie itself may not be great, but there's always those sequences that make you go, yes, that's what I want to see when I see a comic book movie. Totally. And, and of course, totally... you know... What were you saying? I was going to say, and of course, you know, there's the other fandoms of Star Trek and all that stuff, but, you know, those are the main ones. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, well, I mean, and I hear you with the, when it comes to super movies, Superhero movies especially, because, like, as me, as a, the kind of personality I am, I come out of a superhero movie, like, I walk out of X-Men and then look at my knuckles just wanting those claws to come out. Like, why, why not me? Why can't I? Um, but, you know, I get that. I mean, it, it's what's dangerous about seeing comic book movies made by Joss Whedon, because you know someone's going to die, and when they do, you're going to be upset <laughs> about it. Yes, exactly. Why so, do you hurt us so, and why do we love you so? Exactly. Um, um, so then since you've mentioned Star Trek before and other fandoms, are you Star Trek over Star Wars or are you one of those rare breeds like myself where you like both equally for different reasons? I love both equally for different reasons. It's a rare breed these days. People still like to choose it sides. It is, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah man, it's like, it's like Elvis versus the Beatles. It's, you know, it's, you're either one or the other. No, man, we can live in harmony. You know, my whole thing, I've been going to cons, I've been going to, to conventions since I was a kid, and when I went to conventions, they were Star Trek conventions. They were fan-run. None of these were, like, creation cons. Um, but I went to Star Trek conventions, because that's what the conventions were for, and you'd see maybe one or two other things there, some Doctor Who, some Red Dwarf. And the first multimedia convention I went to, it blew my mind. I'm like, there are so many other things I can, and they're all here, and it, nobody cares that they're all intermingling. It's amazing. And all the Star Trek cons I went to all became multimedia cons because everybody likes everything. Yeah. It's the beauty of being a nerd. And, and that's the other thing. Everybody's a nerd, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I call jocks. Sports nerds, come on! It's, it's true. just the look, same thing. If you look at fantasy football, it's just D and D with football players. I mean, it's the exactly. Same thing. I put that in the lyric. I mean, <laughs> exactly. It's 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 funny because like uh, so my, my whole spiel with with autographs kind of and and crash cords in general was born out of the nerdist Chris Hardwick. My fandom for him inspired me to do something similar but different on my own. But one thing he sure. always said. And what I loved in his book is that everyone's a nerd or a geek, but it's what they're passionate about that determines what kind. You know, you can love sports, love music, love trains, love bridges, love architecture. You're still a nerd about those things. Everybody has something they're nerdy about. Absolutely. And I think it's why, you know, as as a podcaster, somehow I can still convince myself that someone will listen to me break down a record track by track for two hours. You know, it's that <laughs> idea. But there are nerds out there who, you know, my podcast, my main show is not for people who want to hear an, uh, an album rating and that's it and move on. Ours are for the nerds who are like, oh, yeah, I noticed that instrumentation, too. Oh, I love that lyric. I wonder what it means. Let's philosophize about it, even though philosophize yes. is not a word, but we're moving on. You know, it's, it's this idea that because of the Internet, you have this access to stuff that you could have never found even a decade ago. 
Absolutely. And and to kind of piggyback on that, I've always been a music nerd, too. Yes. I, you know, like you, you can kind of hear it in the influences that I choose when I do style parodies or pastiches, but I worked at a music store for seven years before doing any of the comedy stuff, and... You know, I would all the records that I would get. Sure, there'd be the stacks of comedy albums I would walk out with. But I spent fifty bucks a week at my store and a store across the street that was not affiliated with my store because <laughs> right. it was high school and all my income was disposable um, on any kind of record that I could get my hands on. You know, I love music, and and that's why I dig actually why I dig crash courts. <laughs> well, I'm. I appreciate that. It's it's one of those things also that I found as an adult, because of the access we have to the Internet, you can kind of dive into music in a different way. I mean, I've always listened to albums like I was reading a book. Like, I can listen to music while doing other stuff, but I'm perfectly happy to sit in a room with my iPod on, just listening to an album, doing nothing, just focusing on the music. Um, yeah. And it comes from being a nerd about that stuff. And, like, when I started my blog before it became a podcast, it just it seemed like the next step is to create something where I can talk about music. And uh and then a review show was the natural evolution. Um and then of course my selfish desire because I knew a lot of musicians to then create an interview show so I can chat with cool people about awesome things. Like you do. Well, thank you. Yes, it's it's great. You know, yes. It's a it's it's a beautiful format to to, to kind of just state from is I'm not, these are not words that I should be saying. I'm going to stop now. <laughs> um, the next thing I wanted to ask actually is about your quote unquote stage name, your performer name, Insane Ian, which is born of your actual name, Ian Bonds, which you had mentioned earlier. The Insane Ian, is that just a natural evolution of an homage to Weird Al, or is there a reason that you picked Insane Ian as your moniker? Um, it's kind of both. Um, on the Dr. Demento show, he had a cast of people who always were on the show with him. And a lot of them were very onomatopoeic. And, and, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not onomatopoeic, alliterative. Right. Um, you had Good Time Gill. You had Whimsical Will. You have Musical Mike. And Insane Ian was kind of born from that. Uh, at the same time, Insane Ian and Weird Al, yes, of course, there's still that hero worship. Uh, one of my friends used to perform under the name Odd Austin. And mm. then he went, no, that's an, that's too much of a hero worship thing now. And he just performs as Austin uh, Eshleman. And he has a band called Smashy Claw, which, by the way, if you've not heard Smashy Claw, they're phenomenal. And uh, it's, it's kind of like if Joko and They Might Be Giants had an awesome baby. That's, yeah, they're they're really great. You're kind um, of speaking my language, so I'll have to go check them out. Yeah, I figured I might be. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, Austin uh, has appeared on, on a couple of my records. He actually plays the backing music for Metroid on Internet Famous. Oh, nice. And is a good, is a good friend of mine. But anyway, uh, so the name Insane Ian was actually kind of birthed from my high school physics teacher. Uh, I was telling him about what I was going to be performing at the high school coffee house, uh, these songs that I had written and these covers of Weird Al songs, because my Sega CD that I had at the time was the JVCXI. It was an off-brand Sega CD, if you can believe that, but it was still authorized by Sega. The JVCXI was a Sega Genesis and Sega CD unit in one system, 
And wow. it was also a karaoke machine. And the karaoke machine could remove the vocal tracks from any CD you put into it. So I could, That's awesome. This is, this is instant parody machine. Yes. <laughs> so I would make tapes of the audio tracks, and that's how I would perform when I was in high school, because I have no musical talent of my own. I don't play instruments. I just write the songs, and I guess you could call what I do singing, kind of. But <laughs> for the most part, that's what I was doing. And I told my high school physics teacher, this is what I'm doing for the coffee house. And he goes, you're insane, Ian. And I went, ah, 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 there's a name. Well played. I mean, I, I too, as I'm sure you can tell, I'm a fan of alliteration with Crash Course. Absolutely. And our album reviews called Record Reviews, the written ones. So, you know, I, I think that there's something that makes it easier for memorization if the, you know, if the words are similar. I, I feel like it sticks better and it's catchier. So I definitely get that. And uh, and it's always interesting to hear how those names come up. You know, like well, I remember the first time I ever interviewed Schaefer, it was a written interview, a text-based interview, before I was doing these. And right, right. I asked him where Shape of the Dark Lord came from. And he was like, well, actually, like, I assumed it was, like, maybe Ozzy Osbourne related or it was, you know, like, it could have been anything. And he's like, no, actually, it's the Dark Lord of the Sith, Darth Vader, but nobody calls him that in the movie. I'm like, oh, duh, of course, you know. It's always fun to <laughs> kind of figure out where those things uh, come from. Um, the next thing I actually wanted to ask you about was the sketches on your record. So you've done a bunch of really great comedy sketches, and I kind of enjoy the nonchalance about the ones on the newest record in particular, like taking a phone conversation with Schaefer or creating the format of a phone conversation with Schaefer, uh, you asking him to be on the album and then stealing a thing that he did on his album where he quote unquote recorded MC Fun a lot and worked that right. into your album or meeting uh, Paul and Storm after a concert and, and chatting an interview. And this totally won't be on my record. Where did the ideas from the sketches for the sketches come from? Or is it just things you kind of toy with and then approach the artist? Um, actually, honestly, the sketches kind of came from Schaefer. Oh, cool. <laughs> I had asked Schaefer uh, if he'd be interested in doing another song with me. He and I had worked previously on a song uh, that uh, our we're friend Kiki, yeah, we're all going to die, which is on Grand Theft Audio, uh, which is. Still, to this day, probably my most popular track, and probably because Schaefer's on it. Um, <laughs> no, actually, undoubtedly because Schaefer's on it. Um, but uh, we had done that track before, and I said, hey, I was wondering if you wanted to do another song. I'm thinking of doing a response to your song, Cat People. But I like dogs. So I want to do... Your Cat People is the name of a movie. I'm going to do a song that's named after a movie called Must Love Dogs. And he's like... You know, I'm I'm interested, but at the same time, I'm also trying to finish Sick Passenger, so it's not going to be something I'm going to do right now. And I'm like, cool, no problem, understand. I was still working on the album, so it never happened. Then, waited until Sick Passenger came out, and I'm like, hey, uh, wanted to hit you up again since you're done with this. Wanted to know if you were still interested in possibly doing the song. And he's like, you know what? I just did a whole bunch of things. I, I just really don't think I want to do any collabos right now. And I'm like... All right. Well, that, that you know that makes sense. Totally, I get that. It's cool. He's like, but you can sample cat people for your song, and you know what? Uh, you know, if if you want, you can you can sample the song. And I'm like, that's a great idea. Do you think we could turn this conversation into like a sketch for the album? He goes, that's actually not a terrible idea. Yeah, I'd totally be willing to do that. <laughs> so, that's cool. The sketch that's on the album 
is almost verbatim what the actual conversation with Schaefer was. <laughs> I, I tried to make it funnier, but... <laughs> no, it was pretty funny. I mean, and then, of course, working in, you know, like, uh, Ian, you ignorant slut, and stuff like that, you know, I mean, yes. for people who would definitely appreciate it with a history of nerdy things, um, I think that's pretty great. I mean, I got a sense of that, too, like, uh, later on the album, you do another phone call sketch. And I just like the, the natural form that the sketches take. I've talked with other artists how when they have conversational moments on their records, how kind of natural it feels for this character or persona you're creating, which mostly is true to yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, 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 it is a character. He's a little bit more neurotic than I am, although talking to me in this interview, maybe you don't believe that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's he's a little bit more... I, there's a lot of self-deprecating humor with Insanian as far as the stage persona goes. And I did get some feedback on these sketches and that some people really didn't get uh, dig on the self-deprecating humor in the sketches. And some of the sketches kind of went on too long. I got a little too expositionally in them. Mm-hmm. And I can kind of see that. I, I, uh, I kind of wish I'd edited, uh, self-edited a little bit more, but I was running down to a deadline and went, ah, I'm just going to put this out like this. The Poland Storm sketch actually was nine minutes, and I edited it down to six. These are oh, a little wow. long for sketches. So yeah. If, if, you, if you want a better example of sketches, I, uh, I have a side project I do called Scooter Picnic with mm-hmm. another comedy musician friend of mine named TV's Kyle. And we did February Album Writing Month, where you do 14 songs in 28 days. Wow. And because we're sadistic, we did... We fully produced these songs. Oh, wow. In, in February Album Writing Month, you can just write them or just do rough demos. No, we did the whole album in February. And the album that we actually put out from this is actually 26 tracks because we released other things at other times and put them on the album. So there are sketches on that that kind of connect some of the songs to the February Album Writing Month theme. They're much shorter, they're much more succinct, and they're, I think, probably better. <laughs> <laughs> As well, far as I mean, kind of a through narrative, this one I had the narrative of, because Schaefer gave me the idea of doing it as a sketch, it gave me the through line of, oh, great, that can tie the theme of the album of being internet famous together, and that's kind of what spawned the other two sketches. Oh, okay. Well, that, and I mean, that, that through line is definitely there. I mean, you can definitely sense the, the kind of overall theme of the record. Um, I also enjoy, on a very side note, that all of your al- album covers, because I'm very astute to all kinds of parody, that they're either um, video game cover parodies or album cover parodies. And I very much enjoy yeah. your uh, Welcome to the Black Parade parody album cover. And, of course, for the newest one that you parody, one of my favorite games of all time, Final Fantasy VII. Um, yes, thank you. I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of art parody as well. I love it when Al's, Weird Al's album covers have parodied. Uh, there's that Soul Asylum, uh, you know, uh, parody of whipped cream and other delights where it's spaghetti sauce and other delights or whatever one. That album has been parodied millions of times. Sure. But, you know, Stephen Lynch's album, Three Balloons, that album cover is a parody of the T-Rex Greatest Hits. And it's sure. an obscure album cover parody. And, like, I never expected that that's an actual parody. I love, love parody artwork. And uh, Luke Ski, who does a sketch, the, the final sketch on the album, did the artwork for the uh, Welcome to the Last Arcade. Nice. Um, and actually, and I, his sketch is a response to the sketch on that on the end of that album. 
Wow. I mean, through lines like that are very important, especially for people who are paying close attention to the discography, which is really cool, which I clearly have not. I've kind of been listening on random on Spotify because that's how I roll sometimes. Um, but I do enjoy that also the newest album cover is drawn, as I recall, by the infamous Thor Thorvison. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. And he is someone that I've come across a few times because uh, Michael Kill, who I interviewed, his newest album was done by him. Um, uh, uh, Sulphur had a Thor album that was drawn by Thor Thorvison, which is even more meta. Um, I, I really enjoy his art style, and you can notice it immediately. It's just the way he kind of animates that that yeah. hops, and so it made that that album cover really jump out, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I've I've been I've been really lucky in that I've been uh, able to hook up with some amazing artists on these albums, and Thor is absolutely no exception to that because uh, his artwork was phenomenal. And he actually did some some back cover artwork for the physical copy of uh, Internet Famous that people haven't seen yet. There are other pieces that he did, um, because the limited edition of the CD has been pushed back mm-hmm. so many times. Uh, I got sick at the beginning of the year. I got kidney stones oh. uh, right around the time when, for the second time, uh, when the album was supposed to be released on physical CD. I was putting out a four-disc limited edition. It was the two-disc album, because the album is a double album, and it had a bonus disc of acoustic tracks and a bonus disc of all the instrumentals. And then I got kidney stones. That got pushed back. And then there was a problem with the printing, so I was going to correct that. And right before that corrected, I got pneumonia. Oh, jeez. So it has not been a fun health year for me. (laughs) So things have gotten kind of far too delayed. Um, that'll eventually come out. <laughs> but there's some amazing artwork that Thor did on this. He has a drawing of me as Miley Cyrus riding a super monkey ball. Nice. He has a, a, a drawing that goes along with uh, Joss Give Me a Season, which is a parody of the Pink song Just Give Me a Reason. So there's yeah. artwork that matches the single of that song, and there's a picture of me in Samus's armor for the Metroid parody, nice. and all of that goes along. So, so the, the whole album artwork, and I do this with all the CDs too, it's not just the front cover, I make the whole album parody what I'm parodying. So if like, the first album is a parody of a DS box, right? the back of the, the, back of the CD case has like the little warnings from Nintendo, Oh, nice. On, like, epilepsy, but I've altered them. You know, the track listing is, like, talking about what's on in the game, and there's screenshots. You know, so I, I try to make it as much of an accurate parody of the original work as possible, you know, down to, you know, the little minutest detail, because I'm insane, apparently. Well, It's not just a clever name. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, though, and don't think I went amiss to not notice that you mentioned that the newest album is four discs, like the original Final Fantasy VII, which is multiple discs, hence making it a multiple disc case like the original Final Fantasy VII. Exactly. So I, I appreciate detail work like that. Um, it's the kind of stuff that we pick apart and love to celebrate on the other the other podcast. So I applaud you for that attention to detail. It is, as a music nerd, a very awesome thing. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so 
obviously you've had some some uh, things come up, so it did delay the official release of the physical copy. I imagine since you're working on the funk, you have plenty of music. I do want to bring up actually your newest single to come out on Spotify, which is a love letter to Mr. Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, yes. I imagine that came from from the Fump. It's one of the songs that you released along the way. Yes, that is a song that I released on the Fump. Uh, it was released. I, uh, I I tried to get it on on Spotify and iTunes and everything around the same time. Um, I'm actually working on a music video for it as well, so I'm Excellent. trying to put that song kind of out there, as well as working on music videos for stuff from Internet Famous because I have all the time in the world. Clearly. Um, <laughs> That's my problem. I work on too many projects at once. I can't narrow my field. It's the ADD, I swear. I uh, I can relate to that as someone who has a lot of irons in the fire and a day job and also planning a wedding. Shit gets tight when you are working on that kind of stuff. Oh, absolutely. And by the way, congratulations on the uh, impending nuptials. Thank you. I appreciate that. I've never been more excited to get married at the end of this month, so I don't have to plan anything anymore. I'm excited about saying I do. I've hated the planning process. Because if you I, think you're know insane that now, plan a wedding, then you truly earn that name. Well, I, uh, my, I celebrate my wedding anniversary actually the week before you get married. Oh, well, congratulations. So there you go. Thank you. Well, we will be away for our six-year anniversary, which is actually our 12-year relationship anniversary, uh, the week before you get married. So well, I... Uh, which is the reason I'm not doing New York Funny Songs Fest this year, actually. <laughs> well, congratulations nonetheless. Um, but then you know exactly what I'm talking, so I take that back. You clearly earned the title Insane Ian if you planned well. <laughs> there you go. Um, but, uh, but so with Benedict Cumberbatch, what I enjoy about that song is it's the song fits a sketch format, which I always love. It's why I love the narratives on Sick Passenger and other stuff that, that kind of has a storyline. I enjoy that the storyline of that song is you in the studio. You're essentially just throwing the song together because you looked it up on Wikipedia and you wanted to do a song about him while he's hot. But then the continual breakdown of communication as the chorus gets more and more ridiculous uh, yes. just adds a level of funny that I appreciate. Excellent. Well, thank you. That's that's exactly what I was going for. And that that song becomes more fun to perform live, too, because... I'll be on stage with my phone reading the lyrics off of Wikipedia. Excellent. And it it becomes kind of like this interactive thing with the audience of how much is the recording messing with him now? Yeah. Because I don't have a band backing me. I just have, you know, my music back there. And it's like, you know, is is the Wikipedia page I'm looking at, has that been hacked? Yeah, it's it's a fun one to do live, too. Fantastic. That's really cool. Um, do you have any plans for going on? I mean, obviously, your wedding anniversary is coming up, and you're working on some other, some other stuff. Do you have any plans to go on a tour or visit some other cities and perform anytime soon? I would love to. See, here's this, these, these months are getting, like, really, really tightly knit. This coming up was supposed to be the end of May is my anniversary. The mm-hmm. very end of May was going to be New York Funny Songs Fest, and the week after that was going to be Fump Fest. Right. Fest is a three-day music festival, comedy music festival in Chicago, where mm-hmm. you know it's like 15 acts, uh, plus the guest of honor, the Arrogant Worms, who are a big act in Canada. They've had lots of hits on the Dr. Demento show, like Carrot Juice's Murder, and uh, plenty of songs of, of like, like that. And they're a great act. 
the the uh, fifth annual Comedy Music Awards, known as the Logan Awards, are going to be held there this year. I'm emceeing. This is the second year of Funk Fest, and uh, I've emceed both years, so I'm not just performing, but I'm hosting the entire weekend, so I'm introducing all the acts as well. That's cool. And uh, so I, I do gigs up and down the East Coast. This is my only kind of non-East Coast gig, because I have a day job too, so I you know can't really do too many things outside <laughs> long distance uh, as much as I would like um, sometimes, but that's okay because, you know, it's the nature of the beast. Sure, yeah. When you're an independent artist releasing your own stuff, you don't have a big record label shifting you places. You have to do it all Exactly. Yourself. We can't all be Adam Warbrock. <laughs> that's, that's very true. We can't. Um, the dude is everywhere. It's funny, too, because what I love about getting into indie artists through the wormhole of Spotify and clicking from link to link is that I'll go back and listen to old albums and discover artists who are on them that I didn't realize were that artist at the time because I didn't know them from a hole in the wall. Like, I went back and listened to Adam Warrock's older record, and Dr. Awkward is on a track that I didn't realize is on it because I only got into Dr. Awkward recently and things like that. Right. So that's, that's always fun. Or, like, because of you, I've gone and checked out Devo Spice's stuff and uh, and so on. You know, it's it's nice to be able to be able to just click right through on Spotify and find those artists. Absolutely. Devo has is, is kind of been a, a huge mentor for me as far as county music, too because I was always a fan of his podcast, Manic Mondays. And uh, when I was starting to do comedy music, him and Luke Ski were kind of like the big names at the Fump, and also kind of like the reigning kings of the Dr. Demento show at the time, and still are, actually. And so that was kind of like the big influence, and I'm like, I'm going to latch on to these guys and see what I can learn from them. <laughs> I mean, my first, my first actual gig as Insane and Current was opening for Devo Spice when he came into town and doing the one song I had done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I've, if I've learned anything from the Internet, it's that the way you get anywhere is by latching on to those more popular than you. <laughs> <laughs> Writing's a coattails to success. Yes. Uh, yes, as mentioned in your Ear Paul and Storm sketch. Um, I think that, though, truthfully, I think the benefit of any community, and I see a lot of similarities in the comedy music scene and the nerdcore scene, nerd core scene is that everyone's so supportive and everyone wants to work together and everyone wants to, if not work together, promote or help or chat or anything. And it's, it's made it, uh, for me as a host of a show, really awesome because I interviewed one guy and then chatted through him to three other guys. And the next thing I know, the majority of my interviews over the last six months to a year have been nerdcore rappers because of the connections I made. And it's really cool. Right. I feel like, I feel like that these artists just have a camaraderie. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's for lack of a better way of describing it. It's very ancestral. Yes. I mean, MC Lars was on the thump. Yeah. And I, I, my interview with MC Lars, I was able to do because friends of mine. So, I have a, there's a local rap group in New York that I'm good friends with named the Wall Street Players. And their, their shtick is that they are only rap about finance. So they are finance <laughs> nerd rappers. Um, and one right. of them is actually friends with Lars. So through that, I was able to make a connection with Lars. And Lars is actually the only in-person interview thus far that I've done for autographs. Because when him and Chris came, MC Chris came to New York, I caught their show. And then afterwards, we sat in the tour van and chat. And that's really awesome, you know, that he took the time after doing 
a very long show to still chat and do an interview. And it's just yeah. nice that those connections exist. Um, uh, and the FUMP, I mean, is a fascinating thing to me because I didn't honestly knew it existed until I discovered your stuff. And now I'm digging through all of the stuff that I found on those collections and everything. It's fantastic. Yeah, I I I would love that I was able to stumble onto the funk the way that I did, and discover this whole comedy music community, and it really is a community there too, and you know people who are who are doing things online like DementiaRadio.org, who are kind of like doing the same thing Dr. Demento does and hosting radio shows and playing comedy music, and when they're not radio shows on there, it's just a random cast stream of comedy music. And, you know, the funk kind of kind of led me to that. And there's more comedy music. And the Dr. Demento show is still on and still doing things. And because of the funk, I've been able to meet Dr. Demento. Yeah. It was a childhood dream. Not only that, I'm going to be in the Dr. Demento documentary. I get to say I'm in the movie with Weird Al and Chris Hardwick. That's yeah. neat. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty neat indeed. Um not not a lot of people can say that, so and I mean Dr. Demento is one of those guys that's kind of done so much for comedy music and comedy in general. You know, he's touched so many people, musicians too, because I mean he's just a fan of music too. It's not just he, absolutely, yeah. And uh, I and, I've he's, always and he's such a brilliant mind about, and he's got he's such an insane amount of knowledge about so many intricacies of music styles and where things came from and what begat what else as far as musical genres. He's a huge blues fan, and but, you know, we know him from the, the love of comedy music, and honestly, if it weren't for him, there would be no funk. Not so much there wouldn't even be a Weird Al, we know that, but, like, the the influence of the other things that he's played, like Spike Jones and Tom Lehrer and, and Stan Freeberg, who unfortunately just recently passed, and, yeah. you know, hearing all of those those music, man, that, like, that I was like, it's not just Weird Al that does funny stuff. There's all this other stuff. Blew my freaking mind. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to get on that show. And now I get to say I finally am. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Ian, I really appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate your, your loyalty to my show and your loyalty to comedy in general. Um, I really enjoy the new album, and I'm looking forward to more stuff. Um, is there anything before we wrap up that you want to promote specifically to the listeners? Um, I want to, first, I want to say thank you for all of that because uh, uh, I appreciate that and you having me on because that's awesome and you made me all kinds of blush now. Um, <laughs> yes, promotions. I am sadly a promotion machine. Um, and I, by the way, thank you for letting me ramble on because I tend to ramble. Here I go again. Uh, you, 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 band- you, you rambling makes my job easier because this is between forty minutes to forty-five minutes to an hour, and if you don't ramble, I have to come up with shit to say. So you rambling just this makes is my true. job easier. So, thank you. And, and here's one subject that I never get tired of talking about me. <laughs> but anyway, yes, uh, insaneian.bandcamp.com, where there are literally dozens, hundreds of songs that even more than there are on Spotify and and anything else, even more than there are on iTunes. Um, I have a release on there called Katy Parody, which is a four-song EP of just Katy Perry parodies, because why not? <laughs> um, by the way, Devo Spice has called that the most disturbing cover art he's ever seen. <laughs> and I'll let your listeners and you figure out why. <laughs> um <laughs> 
But uh, I have a music video coming out soon for both Benedict Cumberbatch and for uh, a song from Internet Famous called It's Burger Time. Both of those music videos should be coming out soonish, hopefully by the end of May. Okay. Um, and uh, and and possibly a new release coming out in time for Fump Fest, which is the first weekend in June. Awesome. Well, uh, this interview, since we released them biweekly, you probably come out the first week of June. My math is correct. So if any of those things are out at the time, which sounds like they will be, I will link whatever I can to the article that goes up on the site. Um, again, thank you for taking the time. And it's been a pleasure not only getting to know you as an artist, but becoming a fast Internet friend. Um, I hope that if you're ever in New York, you will uh, definitely look me up. I would love to get to chat with you in person, possibly have you on the main show and bring an album to review. Absolutely. I would love that. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ian. I will talk to you soon and see you on the Internet. Sounds good. See you later. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.